All right. Erev Tov, we are uh, going resuming our studies in the Parsha. This week is Parsha's Tazria in Mitzora. I want to share with you a teaching from Rav Adin Steinzals. Uh, Zichron of Rahu passed away a couple years ago. And as time allows, we'll try to also do a piece from the Degel Machan Ephraim, the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. I want to discuss some of the different issues I haven't spoken about before, about uh, Tazri Mitzora. Generally, you hear a Parsha class on Tazri Mitzora, it's either going to be about Lush and Hara, which seems to be a big uh, topic of understanding. Uh, it could deal with knocking down the house and getting wealth. That's another famous topic. So uh, he has a, a whole different slant on things, which I think is very interesting. And let's start with the first source, the Rambam. The Rambam, when he discusses the laws of Tsaras, now, again, what is this Tsaras exactly? It's some kind of skin disease, but it is not related at all to leprosy. And he says, And it's also something that happens on your body, on your clothes, and on your house. So this change that can happen to your clothes and to a house, the Torah calls tsaras, okay, a general term of tsaras, he says, It's not a natural occurrence. It's a sign and a wonder with the Jewish people. To warn them against Lashon Hara. So what is so miraculous about this? Well, we know there is a concept of Tuma in Yiddishkeit. And we know that you know there's a certain sickness that can affect your body, some type of skin sickness. But who ever heard of a, a sickness on a garment? Maybe it could get moldy or moth-eaten, but it doesn't grow a white type of growth on it. Or similar on a house. So this makes it very unusual. Another thing, usually when we talk about tuma, um, uh, it, it's also only living things that stop living uh, can produce tuma. Okay? And when we're dealing with plants and inanimate objects, Nothing is intrinsically tame. And garments and other objects can only be rendered tame if something touches them, but they're never intrinsically tame. A garment is not intrinsically tame. It can become tame if something tame touches it. So this whole idea of tsaras is a great anomaly where the, where the garment or the house can become a first level tumah called an avhatuma, a source of tumah, which usually the most they could be is a secondary, third level. So this is a tremendous phenomena. So we're going to explore more about, so therefore the Ramam says this is not really a disease. So we don't look at it as, uh, as an illness that's called tumah, but it's a sign and a wonder that Hashem uses to mark someone. Is that, when did this, this, so 
also us? I mean, have we seen it in our time, or is it just in temple times when the Kohanim... Oh, so that's an interesting thing that we will get to. We don't have that nowadays. We haven't had it for a long time. Now, and the question is, why not? Because because we will be white all the time. So, you know, that, that's interesting. We'd be white all the time. But the question is, the question is, weren't they white all the time during the times of the temple? Hmm? Weren't they what? Let's no, think. no, because they saw it, they got scared. You stopped immediately. They, all got they could control it, you know. It's so like that, warning. So that, so that, the so that, so then, why wouldn't we have it now also? Because we, we, was, we don't have the warning. Well, no, so why not? The question is why not? Then they could bring it off. Now, and and the question, if you get if you get saras, the question is so then you know you know you've done something wrong, but. Uh, Either way, do, do people always listen when they do something wrong? No. Let me give you an example. The doctor tells you you're, you've been smoking and it's not good for your heart, your lungs. Now here we got a little x-ray that's showing you your lung is turning black. Would you say most people would stop smoking then? No. Nope. Some, but not most. Most of them not. Not most. Smoke this long. So, so the question is, let's think about it. Like, what, what, is, what purpose is this serving? In other words, does it help or does it not help? And if, if everybody got it, then nobody would speak lush and horror, then where would be the free will choice? So the real question is, so, so who really got this? So you'd figure, if I would tell you, name me five people, that, or ten people, or a hundred people, in the biblical times who gets harassed, you'd probably think, really terrible people. No, no. Real, real really terrible are. people. Like, like, really like Korach, or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, but we will see that this is not necessarily the case. And while we're already bringing that up, let us uh, jump. I got to figure out where, where the jump is going to go to. Uh, now that we mentioned it, we're going to jump to uh, source number six. But let, let's <laughs> just figure for a minute, who do you know in the Torah that got Saras? Miriam. Miriam got Saras. For doing what? Okay. Okay. Anybody else you know got Saras? Yes, one of the kings. Okay, Naaman, who was a general for the non-Jewish country of Aram. And, uh, oh, see, I didn't make my notes proper. If you look on source, before source six, I had a typo. Three lines before it, it says uh, Malachim. It should have been source six, but something happened when I switched it around. It says, Venaaman, the commander of the army of the king of Aram, was important to his lord and high in his favor, for through him the Lord had granted victory to Aram. And what was that? We know the terrible King Achav. When he went to battle, this Naaman shot an errant arrow and he lucked out that it caught Achav and killed him. 
So you see, Hashem granted Aram victory. But the man, though a great warrior, was a leper. Was a leper. Okay. No, I mean the English word, Hetzoras. If you look at the Hebrew, look at the Hebrew. It says, uh, uh, it says, Chayel Mitzora. Okay. Okay, so there's no English word except leprosy? Yeah, just call it, call it saras. Why use an English word? Why destroy the meaning by using English? Just say had saras. He was a mitzora, a mitzora. Okay, anybody else you know offhand? So, so how many do we have so far? Two. Two. Two, Two. Two very different people. Mila, I don't know. I think... Um, okay, how the about... The sister of uh, uh, the mother of Yeshua, uh, no? No. In the time of the Christianity, they were Yosef, Talmai, Talmaya, Yosef, uh, Maybe they had regular leprosy, okay. but, but not Saras. Okay, I see you're, you're missing a big one. No. Moshe Rabbeinu. When? When? When did Moshe Rabbeinu get Saras? Miriam. No. Huh? When Hashem sends Moshe, go tell the Jewish people to redeem. You're going to get redeemed. And he said, they're not going to believe me. So Hashem says, take your hand. Uh, put it in. And put it, put, it, put it on your chest and put it out. Oop, it turned into Tsaras. Moshe had Tsaras, temporary Tsaras. Very temporary. Then bring it back, Tsaras went away. Miriam's saras was more, but was Moshe had saras. It's clear. It's, it's straight in the text. Mm-hmm. Parsha Shmos. It's right there. There's so many other things going on in Shmos, it kind of gets lost in the excitement. So that's three. Let's take a look in source number six. We're talking about King, U- King Uziahu. Yes, remember him? We had him. You, you, if you remembered, it was already over a year and a half already since we've learned it. It says in Divrei Hayamim about this king. He's one of the last kings in the temple here. He did good in God's eyes. Like a his father. He applied himself to the worship of God during the time of Zechariah. Instructed him in the visions of God. Okay. He said all kinds of good things. But he was a leper. He was a Mitzorah for many years. It was King Uziah. Uziah. And finally, Gehazi, who was the premier student of Elisha. Another story we learned in Navi. He got... Saras and the Talmud Yerushalmi in Source 7 says he was also a great man in his own right. So these are the ones that the Torah Tanakh specifically tells us had Saras. So what is unusual about that? What do you find unusual about it? Very good people. Yeah, well, or these great people. So what's going on over here? The expectation from the great people are much more 
okay, that's that's one possible answer, but shouldn't they give us other examples of that? Well, great people have to do teshuva. It's a great. It's, 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 it's oh, I understand. Well, what if I do art great? So we have to think about that. That's an interesting point. Let's look at another interesting point. Source number five. Source number five is the Medrash Tanhuma at the Hebrew and English. It's a very long piece. I'll give you a little bit. The Medrash says, for how many things does leprosy come from? You just think Lashonara. That's only one of many. Look what it says. Idolatry is one. Desecrating the name of Hashem is two. Unchastity, meaning immoral behavior, number three. Theft, four. Okay, Lashonara, five. Six, being a false witness. Seven, a judge who corrupts a judgment. Eight, a false oath. Number eight, someone entering someone else's domain. Or maybe it's nine already. Nine. Nine. People think false thoughts. Thinking about lying. Uh, Creating strife between brothers. And some say even miserliness. So you're saying idolatry. Idolatry. So, did Yerubim get it? He was big in idolatry. Uh, did Yerubim get it? Nope. Nope. No. <laughs> all these great so people. Oh, okay. All these so, terrible sayings only great people. Well, oh, yeah. So, well, so he was a bad person. And when it, I didn't bring down the whole Medrash. It, it goes on and on, it, and it wants proofs for each and every one of them. So let's just take, I'll just speak out one or two. Uh, how do you know it comes from idolatry? So again, it's, it's all like biblical exegesis where they're bringing from wording here and comparing it to wording there. But they say the people who worship the golden calf, even though the text doesn't say th- so, but it w- makes by a word play, it comes to that. That's the example they gave for that. Uh, Cursing, uh, what was the other one? Uh, desecration of the name of God. They picked that from Goliath. Uh, swearing a false witness when the Jews testified falsely with the golden calf. These are your gods, O Israel. Uziahu was a great king, but he also wants to be a Kohen. Because he felt the Kohanim were not doing such a good job. So he took their job and he became a, a, a leper. He became a Hetzeras, and he had it for years until the day he died. Okay. How about those who bring quarrel between others? We learned that from Paro because he took sorrow away from Avram, and therefore Hashem plagued him. We don't know what the plague was, but the Medrash feels it was that. What about the evil eye, selfishness? That one is a famous Medrash. What does that happen? The guy doesn't want to lend his stuff. So what do you do? You know, you go to a guy and say, can you lend me your lawnmower? The guy says, sorry, I don't have one to lend you, but he does. Mm-hmm. If you say I have it and I'm lending you, now you got to start giving reasons why. The guy goes and says, well, lend me your lawnmower. You have a beautiful one in the garage. 
He said, I have one, but I'm letting you. Why? What are you going to say? I don't trust you? So he said, I don't have one. Guy says, can I borrow your umbrella? I don't have one. Can I borrow your, uh, your, your crock pot? I don't have one. Then what happens? When they get, gets Saras in his house, and then before the Koi makes the final pronouncement, if it's Tum or not, he says, okay, I don't want everything in your house, Kitabi. Take everything out of your house. Take everything out, or it's all going to be Tame. And he can be sure when a Koyim comes to visit someone's house, it's like imagine if the police are in front of your neighbor's house. Do you just sam- happen to just go out and see what's going on? Yeah, usually you do. If a Koyim went to somebody's house, everyone know what the Koyim's doing. And then what do you see? All of a sudden they're schlepping out, the Koyim movers, everything's coming out. And the neighbor's saying, hey, you did have a lawnmower. Hey, you did have an umbrella. So that comes from that as well, and that gets tremendous. Yeah, but uh, also, in King David's time, Abigail's husband, he didn't give uh, provision to David. Yeah, but he, he, it, died. We, we, he died, but we weren't told that he got Saras. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some say also for arrogance, right? That was the, uh, well, no, there's another opinion. Arrogance, and where do they learn that from? From Naaman. Because Naaman was the commander who was a valiant warrior, and yet he had, had Saras. Okay. They bring even more examples than what the Medrash brings. It also comes to someone who says something against his colleague that's not true. Okay, so there's a lot of things. So the real question we have to ask, but it seems we're really just focusing so much on the lush and horror, which really, I mean... Uh, Chazal focus on it because Chazal tell us that it comes for us. Rambam himself, we just said in source one, it comes because we speak on this. But if you look at Chazal, it's just one out of 12 or 13 things. So now we got to figure out, is there possibly a common denominator amongst these things? I mean, why this? Uh, I understand it's a partial where we have to be very extra careful about Lashon Hara. But these are also other Averos. It's it's the same Tsaras. So aren't these other things important? So maybe we'll say, well, you know, we don't think Lashonar is so so bad. So we have to try to figure out what is a common denominator over here that will help us understand the whole message over. Because after all, remember, we don't get Tsaras anymore. And probably the most fundamental question is, so what's to learn from it now? If we don't have the tsaras now, for whatever reason, we don't have it. So why are we learning these parshios? So not to speak Lashonara. There's parshios that say don't speak Lashonara. It says one of the things we have to remember. Remember what happened to Miriam. She said, Torah says, Lo rachil. Don't go as a talebearer. So once Torah says, don't speak Lashonara. Is that enough? Okay, so we're telling you, you're going to get saras for it. But you don't, you don't only get saras for Lashonara, you get it for a slew of things. Well, why is it these, and why isn't this, why is it for Chil Shabbos? If I would, you know, saras a pretty bad punishment, you know, you're, you're secluded from everybody, and it takes a while till you, it's really bad. Have you ever been secluded from people? Maybe Think about the people COVID during COVID, COVID in the hospital. Maybe what you're doing is putting putting a some type of a barrier between human beings. So therefore, if you put the, if what you did does that kind of a division, therefore the the, the punishment yeah. is 
But not all of them are dealing with other people. All idolatry of them are is not. In the Ten Commandments. Um, all of them. No, they're not all in there. Not all in there. Not all of them. A lot of them are there, but there's but Shabbat is Ten Commandments not there. Yeah. Honoring your father and mother's Ten Commandments, it's not in there. Yeah, but, uh, so, so we have to understand. Uh, some are, but some yeah, aren't. So, so, yeah, okay. some are but it's a good guess, good guess. So let, let's just ruminate on that a little bit. Uh, well, some are about no, thoughts. Not physical. He thinks false thoughts. It's uh, uh, all, all spiritual, all of them. Shav makes. Uh, he, he thinks about lying. So, uh, so that that needs a little bit more to think about. Okay, so let's go to another interesting point. So, what happens if Reddy has to rush? He has to rush. So now, Cohen has to come back, and he has to see that you know you're improving. What well, let's say that Saras, you have Saras. The coin says you're locked up. It's for sure Saras. It doesn't get any better. Just stay another week. Okay. What's the halacha if it gets better, but it's still not totally finished? So let's look in source number eight, the way the rabbis explain it. This is after the guy was already a matzora. It says, But as soon as undiscolored flesh appears in it, meaning it's getting, it's getting better, that person shall be impure. It's getting better, but not better yet. and you're going to be impure. It means pure, it means let's say pure, he'll not become pure. not pure. Yeah. It says but when the priest sees the un- undiscolored yeah. flesh, he shall pronounce the person impure. The undiscolored flesh is impure. You figure if, if it's getting better, then what, you should be pure. Like if it spreads. You become tough. Yeah, but it's not completely. But he was already impure. impure. Wasn't he impure but, already? But it, it's well, getting it better. Why? Why shouldn't he be pure once it's getting better? What's yeah, What's wrong with it getting point. better? Well, that should get better fully, right? Completely. It's still contagious. You know. So let, we have to understand what this is all teaching us over here. So let's start with a piece from the Likute Torah, the last piece on the uh, page over there, from the Balatanya. And but to appreciate the Balatanya, let's jump to source number three and four. I'm sorry things are all over the place today. It was a tricky class to prepare. So, source number three, the Zohar tells us there are four different names that you, the Torah uses for a human being, and they describe lower to higher levels. Okay, the lowest level is called person Enosh. Above that is Gever. Higher than that is Ish. And the highest is Adam. Now, as Gamor Mavavatsiya says, only you are called Adam. Jews are called Adam. Not non-Jews. Adam is the highest level. Which now really creates a tremendous question. And this is the question that the Balatanya is going to ask. Let's go to source number two and read the Pasuk. It's the beginning of the laws of Mitzorah. Source two. What's the first word it says? Adam. 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 
When a person, an autumn, has the skin of the body and it lists three different sicknesses. Seis, sapachas, vaheras. English, don't even go with that. A swelling, a rash, or a discoloration. Three different types of white markings. It's another question. Why do you have to have three different kinds? Why can't you have one? All right? And his, the flesh is now has saras, and he's brought to the Kohen. So he asks the question, if you look at the bottom of the page now, he starts off, Adam, huva madrega, gidola. An Adam is a high level. An Adam is somebody who really has perfected himself. So why in the world do the laws of Saras talk about an Adam? It should be speaking about an Enosh. Ma Enosh kisis karena. Who is mad that we should mention it? Person getting such a terrible punishment is a person that really is a very lofty type of person. How do we understand this? So the Balatanya says an interesting idea. And it makes a lot of sense. He says, an ordinary person is not worthy of tzaraz. God does not bother to put a special mark on a person of no importance to show that he acted improperly. That's, That's obvious <laughs> even without the tzaraz. Why did Achav not get tzaraz? Everybody knew he was a Russia. What, 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 what kind of things he did? He, he, he got people murdered. He got people to worship idols. It was well known. So God doesn't need to let people know that he sinned. Like remember when the, when the, when the person has a mitzvah, he has to yell out, Tomei, Tomei, stay away from him. That's interesting. So what, what is that really saying? Stay away from a guy that you thought you didn't have to stay away from. Person you know, you know you stay away from a Russia. Right? So the person himself also doesn't need a warning from heaven. You don't think Achav knew he was a Russia. He knows this on his own. Says the Balatanya, only someone who's on a high spiritual level is eligible for and in need for such a sign. As a matter of fact, the Gemara says that the marks of Tzaraz are like a Mizbech Kapara, an altar of atonement. You don't, you don't, you don't go to the Beis Amigdash per se. The coin goes to your house. But the Tzaraz is a Mizbech Kapara. So therefore, if you get such a mark, it truly indicates you're on a high level that you're worthy of receiving. And it's very interesting. The Gemara, the rabbis say that you know the nations of the world should never be should never been afflicted with boils. Right? It should only be a punishment for Jews. But the Misa, they do get the boils, so they shouldn't think that Jews are such terrible people that they the only one who get boils. But what's the point? The point is clear from this Balatanya that not everyone who speaks Lashon Hara gets Tsaras. Because if it were the case, it would be very hard 
to find people who would be Tahor. Remember, Yetzirah, you are Tameh. And that's why the list of people the Torah mentions, who are the people? Great people. Moshe, great. Miriam, great. Uh, Uziahu, great. Gehazi, great. And even from the non-Jews, Naaman was a great, powerful leader and a loyal uh, general to his king. And these are the people who would get it. Now, what we'll have to discuss, if we have time, is why. Why? And if you think about it, this could really give people a big mistaken notion. Okay? People are going to say, why do the righteous suffer? You know, why did Miriam get Saras? Okay, so you could say, well, see, even if she got it, yeah, but even if she got it, so why isn't anybody else getting it? It's, it's hard for the simple person to understand. And, and, and just for us. So, so why do they get it? Why do they get it? Like, I don't understand. Isn't Miriam great enough to figure out it on her own? She's done something wrong. It, see, it seems kind of unfair, you know, that the, the wicked, it's Ramesh, the wicked are prospering. The wicked do not suffer from this terrible disease. Well, the righteous, you have to be really righteous to get this punishment. You know, maybe I shouldn't be so righteous. <laughs> Is this a motivation to be righteous? So we have to get a deeper understanding of that, but we'll come to that hopefully at the end of the class, but that's a very important point we've got to understand. So now let's, let's pick this up. So, so obviously, um, as, as we've said, so it's not, a, it's, it's not really a disease, but it's a sign that there's something to learn. But let's take a look at some of the process to see what's going on. At what, at what moment does an ordinary blemish become saras, which makes the person talking? You first see a little bit of white. Almost all the time, the first time the coin comes, what does he say? He'll say one of two things. He'll say it's nothing. Or he'll say, you know what? Why don't you sit in your house for a week and then we'll come back and decide. Generally speaking, the final decision doesn't happen right away. You wait a week. In other words, either he says, no, this is nothing. This is, you know, like, a, like you go to the doctor, you have some discolorations. So he sends you to the specialist. Specialist looks for five seconds, it's nothing. And if he says, wait a minute, I have to make take, scratch off a little bit. Uh-oh, now you do a biopsy, and then you find out a week later, one way or the other. So, sort of speak, it's like a spiritual biopsy where you have the mark. So, either come and say, that's nothing. That, that's just a scratch or something. So, no, this, this could be something. So, we're going to do like a biopsy, which means I'll come back in a week and we'll see what happens. Now, what must happen? Now, a few things can happen. Either doesn't change at all, doesn't change at all. So, then the coin has to say, I'll have to come back in another week. Now, but the, one of the most clear indications that it's Saras is when he comes back and it spreads. Mm -hmm. It spreads. Uh, now, if it stops, then he's pure. Okay? But when, when the mark appears, and it means you got to think about this, but, when it, but it's really a Mitzorah only when it begins to grow. That's an important point, which teaches us, we have many cases of this in the Torah. 
A lot of times, Hashem doesn't punish you right away. He gives you warnings. If you listen to the warning, things get better. You don't listen, it gets progressively worse. Uh, there's a number of stories in the end of Sefer Vayikra, for example. It says, uh, it says, uh, give three halachas, one after the other. It says, if your brother becomes impoverished and has to sell some of his patriarchal land, they give us a whole um, way to redeem it from him. Then the next law says, if your brother is impoverished and he can't support himself, we, there are certain laws. We try to help them out. Then the next law, if your brother becomes impoverished and is sold as a slave, what do we do there? So what's going on? Torah is saying that's a slippery slope. In other words, if the guy has done certain averos, what's the first thing? He has to sell some of his land. Hopefully he'll learn the lesson from that. If he doesn't learn the lesson from that, then what happens is he can't support himself. And finally the lesson is he becomes a slave. So it's a similar idea, so to speak. So long as the person doesn't stop acting improperly, the tzaras continues to spread. And it spreads to different areas. Now, obviously, there's no such thing as a person who doesn't sin. But when something happens, you're supposed to notice that. Now, remember, we're only talking about very righteous people. But as long as he doesn't correct it, like Uzio, it says he was righteous. But for years, years, he didn't correct it. He was a king, wanted to be a coin, and was a leper. All at the same time. Okay. Now, let's discuss, that's one issue. So obviously, there's, there's lessons to be learned. But we still have to figure out what the deep lessons are. But there's another part. What did Moshe say about Miriam? Uh, when she got the leprosy or Aaron, he said, he said, let her not be like one that is dead. There are four people considered like a dead person. A leper is one of them. Now, what does that mean? A, a person with saras, that mark, that nega, really contains dead flesh. Okay? The blood drains out of that part of the body. That's life. And the flesh... And the hair turns white because that's like a dead part of the body. That's what Gemara says. Rishayim, the wicked, even in their lifetime, are called dead. What does it mean that a wicked person, when he's alive, is dead? It's referring to the tuma, the impurity that, that, that a certain part of him is dead. And where does that come from? Is a wicked person is essentially a dead creature. And similarly, in Saras, that element of death on the tomb of the Saras shows that the person can die before coming to the end of his physical life. He could be walking around, nevertheless be like a corpse. And just like a corpse conveys Tuma, mm -hmm. so does a Mitzara. Why is he giving... And just like a corpse is the father of father of Tumas, so is a Mitzara. Why? Because although you're walking around, but on a certain level, you're totally dead. Part of your body is dead. He's beginning to die. And therefore, whatever, if you're in the same roof as a Mitzvah, you become Tommy. He may appear to be alive and kicking, but in truth, he's a walking, breathing corpse. Now, doesn't that happen to people sometimes? Sometimes people, you know, uh, let's say you, you lose your inspiration for Yiddishkeit, and you start, uh, you know, you used to come to shul on time, and then 
All of a sudden you come later and later and later and you don't even daven anymore. You know, it seems there's a respiratory disease called pulmonary fibrosis. Right? What is that? What happens? The lungs stiffen. Okay? They become hard like wood. Chas So, uh, you could have people, they don't suffer these physical ailments, but sometimes you could be spiritually like a block of wood. You know, sometimes a person used to smile all the time. They stop smiling. A person used to be very sensitive, and now is a cold person. So you could have people that when they're alive, could they're feel dead. like they're dead. Now, why does that happen? Why does that happen to people? Well, they usually come with some kind of rationalization and some justification. Now, it comes for all kinds of reasons. It could come sometimes reasons that were beyond their control. Let's say a person goes through a tragedy in their lives. A person goes through a midlife crisis. There could be all kinds of, you have great disappointments in life. Okay? Or you just get tired of your Yiddishkeit get tired of your spouse and get tired of all kinds of things okay and uh, let's say let's say you know the last few business deals you had the last few relationships people stabbed you in the back so what what can happen to you as time passes a little part of you can die within you a person was creative a person was joyful likes to bring joy to others now you're crushed and, and you're sulking in the corner and you dwell in isolation outside the camp. It means, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to be, everyone's dancing and what are you doing? You're in the corner opening up a Gemara. You know, we're doing Kabbalah Shabbos and there's always one or two people, that's the time they have to study Torah. Yeah. It's not because they love learning Torah so much. Because don't be fooled by that. It's not they want to, they can be so much scholars by learning an extra 10 minutes when they're not in shul, they're not learning an extra 10 minutes. There's something inside of them that just can't be happy, right? So people like that are dying little by little, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's what do you call it, a vicious, vicious cycle. It reinforces itself. So, very interesting, there's a concept in the Talmud called, uh, in English we call it movable realty. (laughs) Movable realty. What does that mean? Realty is land. Is land. land. Realty is land, right? What in Yiddishkeit is movable realty is a Canaanite slave. Avadim hukshala karkos. Canaanite slaves are considered like land. Really? And you can inherit them like land. So that's movable realty. They're human beings who have the same legal status as a house, as opposed to metaltoling, regular movable things. Let's say this is a movable object. It's considered in halacha a movable object. This table is a movable object. Land is not a movable object. It's different halachas for land. But a Canaanite slave is like land. So guess what? We can apply this to the Mitzorah. The Mitzorah, although he's alive, he's movable realty. The only difference is the Mitzorah has not been buried yet. But he is movable realty. Because all holiness and everything that comes from that, they usually have energy and vitality. Well, Saras is that death mark. 
And it just takes, it's telling you that guy is losing his life. His life is withering away from him. Is he devalued? No. What? Is he devalued? He's movable realty. He had Cyrus. Is he He's like a dead person. That's worth less? I would imagine. Yeah, much less. But still, it's, it's like a bad piece of land, right? This will now explain this interesting law we said before. We said when the healthy skin appears, he still is tummy. He still still be called. Let's say he saw Mark and it, it 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 he wasn't sure. Come back a week later, the Mark got better. Tummy. What do you mean it got better? Why is it tummy? The the answer is even though normally healthy flesh would seem to show he's recovering. But the Torah says the opposite. Why is there say, at least say he's recovering? Maybe we'll say, we'll come back in a week later, we'll see if it. No, no, he's Tommy. So why is that? And it's really t- telling us a very interesting thing. When you have live skin around the dead skin, live skin represents vitality. But this is the interesting point. What if a person's vitality emerges from the Taras itself? That's very bad. The life that the person experiences and he really feels alive from it is coming from that mark. That's also a sign of Tumah. Before it was the Tzaras was just a blemish. Now it vitalizes the person. You know, let's let's give an example of this so you get an idea of this. Let's say let's say a person cannot tolerate people who are not careful in halacha. You have some firmer than thou Jews. People will look at other Jews and say, you know, he's not so careful in his Allah. Look, look how they wash their hands. I know I'm careful. I wash two times to the wrist. I use a lot of water. Look at all those people in shul. They just go, with two fingers. <laughs> he like scorns these people who neglect to perform the mitzvah well. So what's going to be the next step? He doesn't want to hang around them. So he removes himself from that chevra. And you know what afterwards? That scorn for others becomes a source of pleasure for him. That becomes his vitality. In other words, before, he may have slandered others simply because he was arrogant. Like what? In other words, he goes and says, you know, these people, they're not such good Jews. Look, they're not careful about this. So what would be the original source? He's being arrogant, which is lush and hard, right? Right? Yeah. Lush and hard. Look. Oh, I was in that shul, and you name the shul, and you say everything. I said, oh, they're talking, they're this, they're that, and they're all other things, you know. Well, that's, that's lush and harm. Let's have a good reason. That's lush and harm. But then, after a while, the image of, the, of, of healthy skin coming that, you know what? That way of looking at people, which started from arrogance, now it becomes a source of vitality for me. What? It's not coming from arrogance anymore. It now says, this is what I live for. In other words, when your fault becomes a flag and a banner, that's a much more serious problem. In the beginning, they say, okay, there's a character flaw, but now you're, you're thriving on this? That's what it means when healthy flesh begins to grow from that mark. So that sickness itself becomes your vitality. So it's not a sign of recovery. It's a sign that the affliction is really... What you're going to live for and never get out of it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But wouldn't that 
be sort of the wrong sign? I mean, if somebody's oh, getting But pressure, that's exactly saying what's wrong. No. should be worse. No, 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 no. We're saying that you're getting more. If, if it's worse, it says you're being more haughty. Here you're saying it's not just a question of character flaw. You say this I hold is a virtue. So you say this, I live for it. There's vices, and then I live for this. I get, I, I, I really feel excited. About, I feel this is my raison d'etre. Classic Lushan Hara is I'm, 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 I'm suffering from arrogance. This is not I'm suffering from arrogance. This is what life's all about. So somebody gets joy in other people's pain or creating other people's pain, and we've all come across these people who will say things negatively to make themselves feel better. Okay. But, but but they don't feel it's the raison d'etre. There's a there's the difference. In other words, yeah, I'm saying bad things about you because I'm insecure. Okay. That's lush and hard. But if I now say, you know what, I think this is a virtue. So So now Cohen, you're getting vitality from it. No, does the Cohen tell this person? He doesn't have to say anything. The mark is telling. And yeah, as we'll see, as we'll see, the coin doesn't yeah, do it. If I was it. doing something bad and all of a sudden it's healing, I go, hey, I'm doing everything right. It's getting but, better. Ah, but if the coin says you're tummy, then you got to say, well, why am I so, still tummy? Okay. Right. Why am I still tummy? If it's spreading, I know why, because I'm getting worse. Yeah. But if, it's, if there's a healthy part within the negative part, let's say the blotch is like this, yeah? yeah. And now inside here it's healthy, but the blotch is on the outside. Okay. So then what's that say? It's that what you feel is your health is coming from the blotch. You're feeling, there's a difference between suffering from arrogance, which yeah. is good old-fashioned Lashonara, then saying, this is what I live for. This is what I get my chiyas from. Okay. And that coin says, now you're even worse. Before we weren't sure at all. Now we know for sure it's a problem. Now, is that what he's thinking? No, but that's what the skin is telling him. That's what the skin is telling him. Yeah. Okay, so so now what is really supposed to happen? So we said there's a whole list of things that you can get saras. What is the common denominator? The common denominator is that they're all subtle evils. And it's not something you will easily think you've done something wrong, as I'll explain. Shabbos, there's no subtleties about it. You're Mechal Shabbos. You can't convince yourself you're not Mechal Shabbos. You go to work on Shabbos, don't tell me, oh, I have a good rationalization. No, you're, you're clearly violating the Torah. You eating treif? Clearly violating the Torah. So it's so You're not honoring your parents. So, so let, let's, I'm not going to have time to go through all that. I'll give a couple examples of this. Okay, but but there you'll see. I'll, I'll explain some of them. It'd be worthwhile if we had more time because I see I'm down to twenty three minutes, so I, I can't spend too much time. But uh, that these faults will have some kind of justification. Again, when you do a blatant sin with full knowledge, you know you've done something wrong, and there should be some pangs of guilt that prevent you from repeating it. But sometimes a person really thinks it's a mitzvah. So let's give an example. Miriam. Why are we picking Miriam? Do you think for a minute Miriam thought she was doing an Avera? For one second. No. She, did, she loved Moshe. She said, I have only good intentions for Moshe. And yet on her level, there was something she didn't get. 
Now, that's a, an example. Why do we pick her? I'm sure there are a lot of Rishayim who spoke Lashon Hara. But this kind of Lashon Hara is the best example of there's no way in the world you thought you were speaking Lashon Hara. And most of the times, most people, when they say Lashon Hara, they don't think it's Lashon Hara. Yeah. First, when you start, you, you, you someone's starting to talk Lashon Hara, you say, that's Lashon Hara. No, 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 it's true, it's true. Okay. You say, but that is Lashon No, that can't be Lashon This is Everyone needs to know this. Um, arrogance is often confused with pride, but they're really different. Arrogance is, pertains to people only who have great stature. Pride can apply to anybody. A person could be covered with filth and still think he's the greatest person in the world. But arrogance, you have to be somebody who's important. Uzio, he was, he was a king. He brought back Yiddishkeit. He really was amazing. And he felt the Kohan were a bunch of lazy bums. And maybe they were. So he says, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna go into a territory that's not mine. But I have to. Because nobody can do the job. Ah, he has Tsaras. It doesn't matter. He should have picked up. Wait a minute. You, you think you're doing the right thing. I can understand why you think you're doing the right thing. I gave you that subtle hint. Because you're so great, you really can't justify what you're doing. So with the Tsaras, he served in the temple? Could with he? Could he? He wasn't supposed to. You know, he couldn't. He couldn't. So he wasn't allowed to. But he kept saying, oh, the Dekarm are still stinkers. Right? Same thing with, with Naaman. Right? And it's interesting, the Umar says, a person can examine all Tsaras marks except his own. Mm-hmm. A Kohen can check him except his own. Now let's think about this. Um, can you check, if you want to slaughter an animal, you have to check the knife. Can you check your own knife? You have to make sure it doesn't have any nicks and anything. Yeah, yeah. Although it's customary to have somebody else check it, but you could check, check it yourself. My father was checking. I know how to yeah, check it. Yeah, okay, but... You can render halachic decisions, but with saras it doesn't work that way. And look, look at this phenomena. Let's say, let's say the only one who can make you tummy is a coin. What if the coin is an ignoramus, and you show them he doesn't know, he doesn't know. So a, a rabbi can tell the coin that's saras. Then the coin says yes, it's saras. Now, yeah. Yeah, because the coin has to say it. Oh. Let's say the coins, he, he's not he so, so educated. He didn't go to coin school enough. <laughs> he failed coin school. Like Steve. He doesn't know which one it is. <laughs> he doesn't know which one it is. So they bring a rabbi who's not a coin. The rabbi knows the laws. He says, tells the coin, it's tummy. Okay, you're tummy. So think about this. What if the person who has the tzaras is a rabbi? And the coin comes from him as an ignoramus. So the... The coin, the the, the, the person with saras, who's the rabbi, can look at his own thing, and tell the coin is saras, and the coin can say yes, saras. But if the coin himself has saras, he can't say on himself it's saras. So who will say? Another you got to get another coin. I'm just I'm just I'm just playing out the absurdity of this. But but what's the point? When it says a person can examine all saras marks except his own, because we're not really talking about the skin. It's not the skin. It's not about the skin. It's the marks on the soul. It's the faults. And by nature, 
Can anybody ever see their own faults? No, as egregious as your fault may be, you're always going to think you're right. For become aware of the mistakes someone outside you has to say that you are tome. Because this tome applies to the whole person. It's just not one mark. It means you're a miserly guy. Guys, said, what are you talking about? I'm thrifty. I have a policy. I once, it was once I was in, in my coilo. He was a very nice guy. He was a very nice guy, but one thing he did that I didn't like, he would not lend his cars out to anybody. It's his policy. Yeah. He once lent out, and the guy got into an accident, it's his policy. Okay, and he probably thinks he's right. But it's, you're not right. Now, let's think about speaking Russian heart. How could you make a mistake? Well, sometimes it is a mitzvah to expose hypocrites. If you have six special conditions, then it's not called Lashon Hara. If you know somebody's cheating people in business, so one of you comes to me, Rabbi, should I go into a business venture with Mr. Ganif over there? You know, Joe Ganif. And I say, listen, I wouldn't recommend it. He says, why? I'm just telling you I wouldn't recommend it. Am I allowed to say that? If I have first-hand knowledge that that guy's a gun of? Yeah. I have to tell you. So, see, there's times where you mamish can say bad things. And you have to. So now you can see why a person can make a mistake. Where Miriam figures, I have an obligation. I have an obligation. This is the leader of of Jews. I have to show him his mistake. But she didn't realize, you know what? If God said he's the leader, don't you think God would know if he was making a mistake? If I thought he's making a mistake, wouldn't I tell him? So really, it's not just Lashon against Moshe, it was Lashon against Hashem. She didn't realize, she never thought of it that way. That's why I picked that example. How about pride? Pride could be a very good trait. You know, the Talmud says you should have an 164th of pride. You should have a certain idea of Jewish pride. That I'm one who serves Hashem. There's a fine line between that pride and arrogance that is terrible. So therefore, I don't have time to go through all of these. But in so many cases, you know, these cases, you know, you can say, well, I lied. You know, I lied because, you know, um, the uh, they just uh, exposed, someone leaked very important information about the war in Ukraine. Leaked out truth that number one, there are American troops fighting in Ukraine today. Really? It's a fact. He leaked it out. He had, he had, uh, what do you call it? What do you call those documents? Uh, Confidential. No, it's another word, you know. It's confidential, secret, top secret, whatever. The Americans are on the ground fighting them. A. And B, Ukraine is losing the war. Wow. So that but but and and that's the truth. But now if you're the politician, you say, we can't tell them they're losing the war. They'll justify lying. So what do they do? They say, Oh, this is a terrible crime. The guy shouldn't have said anything. But what did he say? Oh, we don't want to tell you. <laughs> what do you mean? He's telling you that there are Americans fighting in Ukraine. You never t- you told us we're never going to do that. You understand what's happening? There's a real war between the United States and Russia now. But of course, Biden is justifying it. We don't want them to know that. 
We don't want to know the Ukraine is really losing the war. All the million, billions of dollars have not accomplished anything. Don't you see how they would justify this? Don't they, they justify to keep the truth away from you? Mm-hmm. So these are sins that are hard to see. Wow. So, so what's, what's going to be the remedy? The remedy for all this is, you know, a Mitzvah does not go to the doctor in order to be cured. He's thrown out of the camp. He's away from society. At most, maybe he can interact with another Mitzvah, but that's about it, nothing else. And you know why? Many people mistakenly categorize themselves based on social structures. We always like to compare ourselves to others. And you know what? You'll always find someone that's smaller than you and more contemptible than you are. Someone who deserves to be slandered. And it may even seem praiseworthy to oppress this other person physically, financially, in other way possible. Isn't this exactly what the liberals are doing? It's exactly what they're doing. But when you're all alone, you have no one to blame. You have no one to compare yourself to. And you may have to remain alone for many years. Because you, when you're not with anybody else, there's only one person to look at. That's you. And that's the greatest opportunity to see who you are. And that, in a certain way, was one of the blessings of COVID. Where some people had to be in the hospital by themselves. Even when they weren't suffering from COVID. If you were in a hospital, and there's even like two breakout, one in the floor, family couldn't be with you. You'd have to be alone. And there's, there's a lot of value to that, being, being uh, isolated, because then you have no one really more to compare to. So it's, it's very interesting. So there's some ailments where the remedy exists, and there's some where it's impossible. Well, let's say someone is tummy to a corpse. Okay, you go to the coin, he sprinkles the water on you. Regular tumma. Um, if you have a different problem, you can go to sages for a solution. But with saras, right, if you're already great enough to receive that affliction, no treatment helps. You don't even go to the priest to be cured. The, tr- the priest just tells us tomatar. Who's the one who cures you from saras? No, you. Hashem just gives you a little hint. Listen, buddy, there's something going on. One of 11 things is going on. And that process has to be your process. Then when you purified yourself, the coin will just verify that you've purified yourself. And the only recourse is to sit alone because that's the only way you can fix yourself. It's interesting. During the first base Hamikdash, there were many prophets, extraordinary personalities. They did miracles, but nobody listened to them because we're not doing anything wrong. But when we were in Golis, that transition between the first and second temple, where it says in Echa, Echa Yashva, Badad, how can she sit? is city sit in solitary confinement. The Jews made some improvements between the first and second base Hamigdash. They did. Yes. So when, when the prophet comes and cries out in protest, you ignore him. 
But when for 70 years the city sits in solitude, it accomplishes more than that. So now we understand that to review. So what are the messages? The messages are that we don't have tzaras nowadays, but we also have other ailments. And we can't say this about all the time, but it could, sometimes very great people are getting these ailments. When you see someone that's suffering, we shouldn't automatically think they're suffering because they're bad people. It could be they are. But you see from Saras, and there really is no sickness that's worse than Saras, it's considered like death. So we don't have Saras nowadays, but doesn't Hashem give us certain ailments, certain marks? I don't want to say maybe cancer or other things like that. So why is a righteous person getting this? Well, maybe he is the Adam, the righteous person who gets this. Because the wicked person, God doesn't always have to punish. We know he's wicked. The tzaddik, since he's so close to perfection, the mistakes he made can be so subtle, he doesn't even realize he's made a mistake. So sometimes in our lives, we could be very good people, but we're really making a mistake and we just don't realize we're making a certain mistake. And nobody can tell you about it. You've got to be able to see within yourself, try to make changes that others can say if you have changed. Other people can't even tell you to change. You're not going to listen. They could say, you're, you're, you're a bad guy. They can tell you when you're better, but it's got to come from inside. And that's where the solutions have to come from. And don't ever say with definitive that because you're suffering, it's because you're bad. Because we see from this Parsha, there's 11 different types of mistakes that you don't even realize are mistakes. And everybody has to make their own cheshbon anefesh. But when you make the cheshbon anefesh, you don't say, oh, I'm really a terrible guy. I must be a big balosh and horror and all these things. No, 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 no. If you were that terrible, you'd know you're terrible. But if you're really pretty good and you're wondering what's going on, so I should need you to think a little bit harder. Because what you're doing wrong for you, since you're such a wonderful person, you know, you got to think even harder because what you really think is good, and I understand why you think it's good, but no, you're no different than Miriam, no different than Moshe, yeah, no that, different than Uziahu. With somebody at that level, of, I'm going to use the word purity, who gets to Ross, they understand the ramifications and, and they have a much better Well, some do, some don't. Oh, Mo Moshe. Moshe, Miriam, maybe, Uzio was great and didn't. So that, that's the challenge that we have. But, but the idea is still very much there. So now in the last five minutes, we're going to try. There, I was going to go inside on the backside, the Degel Machne Ephraim, but I'm not going to have time to do it inside. I'll have to say it outside. It's a beautiful piece. And basically what he picks up, he's the grandson of the Baal Shem Tov. And we know that the... Uh, the, the Balatanya was one of the students of the Messenger Magid. So this is somebody who's just around the same area. So he picks off where the where the uh, uh, where the Balatanya doesn't where it leaves off. Balatanya says it can be great people. So what are great people? What are they doing so wrong? And why is this happening? So he says there's three reasons. What, just like there's three types of leprosy. He says. He says that there are three reasons why a person who's a tzaddik but is not reaching his potential. Three reasons. 
One is sometimes he falls from his level, he has a Yerida, because it's a Yerida Litzorach Aliyah. Sometimes when you fall, when you're ready to go to the next level, you have to first fall before you can get to the next level. Hashem has great things in mind for you. And Allah has a great thing in mind for you. He puts you in that position to take the next step and you can't get to there. And therefore you fall and you make an error. Hashem, you're really good in a lot of areas, but Hashem's going to test you more. You're not ready for it. How are you going to know? You're going to fall, then you're going to rethink it, and then you're going to go higher. Now that's, that's a real tzaddik, but Hashem knows that that can be more. So he challenges him to fail in order to grow. That's one example of that could happen. So I don't understand him. How could I have done such a stupid thing? Hashem says, you know what? Because you can even be greater than what you think you are. Second, sometimes a person falls from his level and he can't do it because he's in a bad environment. You, you're a guy who grows and your chevra stopped growing. So where's your motivation? You think, you think you're better than everybody anyway. Right? That could be physically, spiritually, parnasa, all these things. They're not going the same way and it's affecting you. And you're a tzaddik. If you hang around these people, it's not going to be good. So what does Hashem do? He has you make a mistake. You get saras. Because you get saras, you have time to think. And a third reason, which is a little bit more difficult to understand, is sometimes a person can be so smart, he understands things so well, but there's nobody who can really draw from him. He doesn't have people that can learn from him. It doesn't inspire him for growth. And therefore, he has to kind of do it on his own. And therefore, he has to be on his own as well. So therefore, and this is what the Pasuk is hinting to. The Pasuk says, Adam, Adam, a person with a big neshama and can really have great things. And now he has one of three skin diseases. Now, uh, the skin is a garment of the soul. And he has what we call, he has a nega. A nega, the Targum explains, is like, it's closed up. It's like the pores are closed. It's dying. What does that mean? It means the flow from Hashem is stopped. He's a great person, but the flow is stopping. Why is the flow stopping? For any one of three reasons. Now, what's the names of these saras? Se'es is one of them. Se'es is from Elisha of Nassau, to lift up. Meaning to say, you're having this disease, you're falling because I want you to eventually lift up. Or sapachas. Sapachas is a fancy word for combining and connecting. So it could be you're connected to the wrong people. And Hashem wants you out of that environment. You spend a weekend of Sarasa, you know what my problem is? I'm hanging around this crowd. And being in this crowd, you know what? I have to move to Eretz Israel. Maybe. I have to move to a more religious community. Whatever. You're good. You're good. But you're being stunted because of the sapachas, the group. And therefore, get out of that group and realize and think about what's going on. You don't belong in that group. Or baharis. Baharis comes word bahir, clear. In other words, you know things clearly, but you're not able to give it over to others. And maybe you have to find other solutions. And the Torah says the solution is you go to Aaron 
and you learn to make your own repairs. So therefore, we see that if often when we are suffering in life, and we're saying, I don't understand why I'm suffering. The Russia's suffering is a terrible guy to suffer. Hashem says, because nothing's going to make him change. He's, he's, everybody knows he's wicked. He knows he ain't going to change. So why are you suffering? I'm not going to say always, but it's comforting to know that you could be in good company. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know how great a nation he was going to lead. He spoke Lashon. Miriam didn't understand how great Moshe was. So why did they suffer? To know how great Moshe is, to have a better appreciation for Moshe. She fell, but she grew from that. Moshe fell, and he grew from that. There are others who refused. Uzziel refused to learn from that and suffered the rest of his life. Naaman was ready to dip into the water, and he became a better person. So therefore, Hashem, you have to always feel Hashem has got big plans for me. I'm really a good person. But Hashem wants me to fall so I can become higher. Hashem wants me to figure maybe I have to find a different chevra. Or maybe I have to look a little bit deeper into myself and get a little more clarity of what I want in life. And maybe I can draw out more Torah from Hashem than I think I'm drawing out. I think I'm such a big, smart guy. Maybe I could be smarter. And I can do that. And I have to be clearer in my avodas Hashem. If you look at that, that gives you the kayach to be able to uh, go through the process. And just like we're told that there were treasures hidden for those who were willing to knock down their houses, there's treasures hidden inside of each and every one of us through this suffering that Hashem can give us blessings that we never thought we could get before. What about okay. today? <laughs>